Welcome to another episode of On Call with Dr. Randy. It's so good to be back. I took off last week for my birthday. I finally entered the 30 Club. Yes, I turned 30 again. I've reached the age where I'm starting to repeat ages now again. So nobody asked me what my real age is. So I turned 30 again. But thank you to all who called and texted me before, on, and after my birthday. I appreciate all the birthday love. I really felt it. On this week's episode of On Call with Dr. Randy, I'm discussing gas, bloating, and belching. Do you feel bloated or gassy a lot? Why do I sound like an infomercial? But <laughs> Some of you may feel that right now. Well, let's talk about it. These symptoms may overlap, but let's define them. Bloating is defined as the sense of gassiness or being distended, which may not be visible. Bloating is a sensory sensation, so you sense the feeling of feeling bloated, and it may or may not cause pain. Belching is expulsion of excess gas from the stomach. It may or may not be accompanied with bloating, and the most common cause is swallowing excess air. I bet you didn't know that. So swallowing excess air is the most common cause of belching. Gas, also known as flatulence for you bougie people, is expulsion of excess gas from the colon. Is not associated with bloating and usually isn't painful. Now that I think about it, it's never hurt me to pass gas. Hmm. It may hurt the people that I'm around smelling it, but it, but it doesn't hurt me. What you eat and when you start to develop symptoms helps in determining the cause of your symptoms. For example, artificial sweeteners like sorbitol and mannitol can cause bloating with diarrhea. Drinking soda can lead to excess gas, bloating, and belching. If you have gas and bloating less than 30 minutes after you eat, this is usually due to gastric bloating, so essentially an issue in your stomach. If gas and bloating occur after 30 minutes, it is usually due to an issue in your small bowel, also known as your small intestines. In addition to this, the size and timing of your meals plays a major factor. Large meals, frequent meals, and meals eaten late in the day can lead to bloating with your abdomen being distended. Two questions that I want you to think about. Question number one, can you eat a full plate of food? And question two, do you have a regular good bowel movement? Answering those questions can help to determine what the problem is and give you a proper workup to what is causing said problem. So it helps us as physicians know what's going on and where it's going on. So that's your quick rundown of belching, gas, and feeling bloated. I'll be providing more information on causes and treatments in future episodes. Man, I just did so much talking that I actually just belched. Wow, that's crazy. So today on On Call with Dr. Randy, I have Christopher Campbell and Lamont Ponton. Christopher recently started his own wealth management company, and I thought it would be highly important to have him on for Financial Literacy Month. Christopher Campbell is a native of Gastonia, North Carolina, and graduated from Morehouse College in 2006, cum laude with a BA in economics. He began his professional career building relationships with area specialty physicians as a pharmaceutical consultant, and he transitioned industries and careers to join Merrill Lynch Wealth Management in 2011. 
Currently, his wealth management company is associated with Northwestern Mutual. Chris has over 10 years of experience, work with families and business owners. He possesses an unyielding desire to impact change and rewrite the manuscript for legacy and wealth in diverse markets through education and empowerment. Lamont Ponton is a financial advisor for Northwestern Mutual Goodwin Wright, an affiliate of Northwestern Mutual Wealth Management Company. He graduated cum laude with a BA in Business Management from Morehouse College in 2006 and has over nine years of experience in wealth management and asset protection. His passion is to empower clients to better understand the financial planning process and strategies to help ensure long-term financial strength. In this interview, we discuss financial literacy, the benefits of having a financial advisor, and how to maintain wealth. So this is a two-part interview, so look out for part two coming soon. So let's get into the interview. So welcome to another episode of On Call with Dr. Randy. I got my frat brother, Chris, and his partner over here, Lamont Paton. I'm saying your last name correctly. Paton. It's all good, Paton. brother. All right. I want to make sure I say your last name correctly. But uh, once again, thank you all for joining me. I'm going to let you all introduce yourself. Uh, so I'm going to throw it to Chris to start off. All right, cool. I'm uh, Christopher Campbell. I'm originally from Gastonia, North Carolina. Been here in Atlanta since 02. Went to college. Here I graduated at Morehouse in 06. Actually began my career in uh, pharmaceutical sales where I sold uh, hypertension drugs for about five years to cardios, nefs, endos, family docs. So legal and, drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my territory was, um, I had all of Decatur and downtown and South Atlanta, Stockbridge, McDonough. So, but fun times in, in that industry. So much love. I know, I know what you, I just understand how to speak to the physician. So nonetheless, next went on to Merrill. I went from pharmaceuticals and I joined Merrill Lynch. I, went, I, just, I wanted a challenge. So I did Merrill for about five years. Left Merrill and then um, did cannabis consulting for about two years. So I spent about two years between Atlanta and, Jama- and Jamaica uh, working in um, cannabis consulting. And then I say in 16, 17, something unique was happening where a lot of our African-American men were being gunned down by police officers. Well, at least on camera, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's when I really began to see my work as more of a calling where I saw as different ways to protest. You know, some folks can hold up signs, but I, I said, you know what? I recognize that I have a gift to communicate a knowledge or a content to a group of people that's never done it, done it before or seen it be successful. And so that's why I really started looking at my work as more of a calling. So 16, 17, I started working with, you know, asset on the insurance side and doing investments. I started integrated planning differently. And then that's when I um, connected with my buddy Lamont. He was at Merrill at the time. So he can share his story. And that's, that's when he and I sort of linked up. So I guess he can pick it up, pick it up from there. Okay. Yeah. How, how we met, how we met professionally. We initially met doing orientation at Morehouse College. Yeah, my name is Lamont Ponton. I'm originally from Inglewood, New Jersey, uh, just outside of New York City. Uh, As Chris said, we originally met in college down in Atlanta, spent our time in Morehouse. And then when I graduated, I actually jumped into uh, the oil industry. So I was working for BP up in Chicago. Very unique situation up there. At the time, we're like the number three company in the world. So it was like working for Google or Apple nowadays. So it was really cool. Um, I honestly thought in my career there, I was doing operations management, which is really what I learned 
and what I kind of apply to finance now. But they had a, a series of events over about a three to four year period, all culminating with that oil spill out in the, the Gulf of Mexico. Mm. And one thing you learn is that even when you're part of a big corporation, as successful as you are, when things happen outside of your control, you know, your whole life can change. So I'll never forget they brought us all in and made an announcement that they were divesting their company-owned operations. So basically laying off a whole bunch of workers. And um, at the time, I was young, so it was okay, but I saw how that impacted so many others that were either planning towards retirement or were just comfortable there. People had to uproot, move to California. So I saw right there that you had to have, you know, some financial literacy outside of just paycheck to paycheck. So I moved back to New Jersey. Coming out of the recession, um, I wanted to get into financial planning. And um, I worked my way onto Merrill Lynch, working for a nice team, was working for a nice guy up in um, New Jersey. And I learned the mindset of the wealthy. And they had a conversation we were having up there were different than the conversation I had in my neighborhood. And then I just realized, light bulb went off, like, wait a minute, they're entrusted me with their knowledge and they grew up with money. So I kind of started feeling myself, but I, I, I was ready to relocate. I got tired of being up north. And that's when Chris and I partnered up down in Atlanta because we noticed something that was unique. So when I was up in New Jersey, you know, I noticed African-Americans were making money, but they didn't have much disposable income. Well, down in Atlanta, you know, that's, that, that's not the case. You know, folks are making good money, you know, and, but there was no one sitting down and, and talking to them how to manage their money, no matter if they went to Morehouse and, you know, had doctor's degrees or if they were just, you know, you know, a factory worker. No one was sitting down with them and teaching them about money. And so we noticed that, hey, we have a unique gift and that uh, we could take that knowledge that's usually spoken about the 1% and translated in a way that it's not only digestible, but people can take action on it. So 2017, we partnered up and did something totally against the grain. And we decided that, hey, we're going to create a, um, a business, a financial services business that is tailored to minorities, specifically African-Americans and women, because we knew that that was a niche that people weren't paying attention to, but the potential is there. And then going back to what Chris said about just the impact in our community, everything just tied in. So that's how we ended up where we are today. And um, it's just been special, man. It's been great. Okay, cool. So y'all started your own, Chris, you started the wealth management team. So what is specifically a wealth management team for those who don't know what it is? Right. So just think of it as a uh, the idea of the services that are offered, right? The services that are offered is we offer services around investments, as well as insurance. Because a lot of times you might think of just insurance or just investments. Wealth management gives you the entire picture, right? And there are different things on the, on the side of that, right? So you have estate planning, business planning, succession planning, disability, insur- I mean, the entire picture. That's what wealth management is. And you know, mind you add to that? Yeah, that's exactly. But typically in our industry, an advisor will typically focus on one or one strength. So almost right. like in the medical field, they'll focus on one one physician. And so maybe they'll just do insurance. And then they may do some investments, but their focus is insurance. Or they're just investors, meaning they're there to manage your portfolio, get you returns, but they're not really too much interested in your protections or your risk management. Wealth management and advisors look at the whole picture because if you look at it, everything works together. You know, we could talk about investments, but if you slip, fall, and can't go to work, guess what? Is no money to fund those investments and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we're holistic planners. We look at the whole picture instead of just saying on one side of the coin. In a physician world, I would say we're we're the internist or a family doctor. Mm-hmm. Right. And but at the same time, say we might have a client who might have a need that we might not have experience in, right? Hey, my someone passed away and they left us 
300 acres and $22 million. And my great grandfather wants to speak to a senior advisor. I don't have the expertise, expertise nor the experience for it, but guess what? I know an advisor who does. So I reach out to a specialist, just like how you might connect with the cardiologist, right? Or the net, right? Exactly. So same way, because those are those most important that the client's needs are being satisfied. So because we hold all our, of our licenses, we have a, we have a, a, a unique set of licenses as well that allows us to do certain things as well that others aren't typically allowed to do also. So we're fully licensed by Series 7, 66, uh, Life Health. So our, our licenses are also what classify us as wealth management advisors as well. So give a little bit of information on what do you mean by licenses? Some people may be listening and don't know what you need, mean specifically when it comes to management and different licenses and different categories. The main is the, is a series seven, all right? So that's like the standard barrier. It's like, you know, the bar exam for financial advisors is, is a, you know, six hour exam. And basically that allows you to sell securities, all right? And, um, and then you could take a step further and there's other licenses that allow you to sell securities, meaning stocks and bonds in every state. So there's different levels to it. So a lot of times you want to make sure that if someone has a series seven, series 63, and then above that you have certified financial planners. So that's like a master's degree in finance, you know, and then you have those who are certified in like life insurance. So they're chartered life insurance underwriters. So you have various degrees inside of the finance field. All right. But the main thing you want to make sure is that your guy is fully licensed because a lot of times we'll just be taking advice from folks that never even took them, that, you know, that were never in the industry or don't have holding any those licenses. And why that's important for you, the consumer is, is because those federal licenses hold, you know, they're kind of like, you know, for your lawyer, you know what I mean? We're held to a certain standard. We're held to a fiduciary responsibility. Right. So if we give advice, you know, that's, you know, not, you know, in your best interest, there could be some backlash to that. And you want to make sure that someone has to face some consequences for, you know, bad, bad, bad news, bad uh, information. That's why I always say, Randy, I always say that that's, that's what separates me between <laughs> the license that I hold versus someone in the cater who says that they know something about money. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have to give, you know, suitable recommendations, you know, exactly. So we can be held liable for our, 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 and but see, that's also the difference between someone who just sells life insurance, right, versus, you know, the wealth management advisor. See, when you only sell life insurance, you're not held to fiduciary standards and or suitability. You can just, it can, it can be seen as a transaction versus when we position life insurance, we typically position it as, you know, as a strategy or a state plan or so. We, we're solving a real problem. You get what I'm saying? That's because, you know, when we have a thriving practice, we have, a, you know, a pretty healthy practice now. It's really been a blessing. So as we continue to grow, we're growing through organic ways of just making sure that our clients know that, hey, we're giving super recommendations and we're licensed and everything we're doing is above board and with the most, you know, most utmost integrity. Integrity. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. And right. everything we do, you can find in a book. So, but you right. know, we just, so everything we give is nothing that no one else is doing. It's just new to our community. So, okay. right. Yeah. So how does someone make sure that the person that they're dealing with as far as financial advisors has these specific licenses? How do we make sure like Ray Ray or Bubba who's telling them that, oh, I know how to do this. And they only know a specific like entity that they can deal with, but they acting like they can do more than what they're really licensed broker to do. Broker check. Okay. Explain yeah. broker check. 
I mean, just like how you can look up a physician, you can look, look us up to see, you know, where we're licensed and if we have any blemishes on our, on our the form is called a U4. If, if, the, if, the, if an advisor has any, you know, if he's ever you know, got involved in maybe some gambling or bankruptcy or something that's that's of material information that can be, you know, something that a client would want to know, it will go, it, it's, on, it's on the advisor's U4. That can be on broker checking. It's like on Fenra. Uh, go to Fenra. Copy.org or something. Yeah, you go Fenra.org. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, Fenra is our regulatory uh, authority. And that's why we align also with Northwestern Mutual. So it's also uh, the company that your advisors align with. So we want to make sure that you're with a strong financial company. See, a lot of us are young, but if you talk to people in their fifties, there were a bunch of companies around in the early two thousands that didn't make it. You know what I mean? So. You want to make sure that you're with a company that's financially strong and more importantly, going to treat your client correctly. So right. we can we can have our own firm, you know, and just call it, you know, Lamont and Chris Financial. But there's things that come along with, you know, working with a company like Northwestern Mutual and their impact on the industry, their expertise, and then just the quality of, you know, the vehicles that they position. So that's why we're aligned with the, with them. But you know, you want that's that's another way you can kind of check on to see what type of licenses that your advisor has, and then also what, what vehicles he's using for your right. All right. So while we're kind of on the subject about Northwest Mutual, how does that work out as far as the partnership between you guys' wealth man- management team and Northwest Mutual? And what, kind of, what kind of value does it add or access does it give you? Well, first, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to that, but I love Lamont, how he, he uses the uh, the music label reference. So I'm going to let him get off with that. <laughs> yeah, so I guess the easiest way for everyone to recognize is like they're uh, Def Jam or Universal and we're like Rockefeller. So basically, you know, we're allowed to do whatever we want. You know, obviously we have, we're held to certain standards, but, you know, essentially we go out there and they give us the back. And so if we want to do an event, we come to them and say, hey, this is what we want to do. This is the potential impact it can have for our community. This is the budget. And then, you know, we negotiate. And so they yeah, allow us, yeah, you, know, the you know, they essentially they push us and they, and they give us marketing. So in this business, particularly as African-American advisors, sometimes we come in and we don't have the backing like other folks have. So it's almost like in the music industry. You can come out selling tapes out your trunk. Or you can sign with a label that's going to make sure your music is on the, is on the radio station. So with, right. with Northwestern Mutual, they help us with our marketing. They help us with a digital mar- uh, footprint. But more importantly, they're like the old school labels. They're doing artist development. So they're making us better men and, and, and better advisors. So it, it's the full package and the culture that goes with it. Yeah. Okay. So who, who's Jay-Z? Who's Beans? Who's uh, <laughs> Memphis? It, uh, <laughs> I'm like Biggs. I'm in the background. I'll be the background. He, that could be Jay. I could. I could. I could be Biggs or Dave in the background. I'm just That's not, a Lamar. Lamar is not as loud as Dave. Lamar. Lamar is always say he. Uh, I rap. He makes the beats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a, when I tell you he's an amazing beat maker. Like Lamar. Honestly, man, you know you, you can only be as good or as, as a leader as strength of your team. And Lamar Ponton is just an amazing person. Actually, he's an amazing individual. So. That's what also helps our team thrive is, you know, we got good people on our team and those who, who are holding us accountable as well. So we have good leadership as well who are on that, I guess, that uh, Def Jam label head, right? <laughs> so the Northwestern Mutual, so the structure is Northwestern Mutual is based in Milwaukee, right? And there's about 80 Northwestern Mutuals across the country, right? Well, I would say the office in Chicago, and the one in Atlanta, the one that we're in, are sort of known as like the flagship locations. And because of our leader, is uh, our managing partner is John Wright. 
So John Wright isn't really my boss. He's more so like my business partner. And so since I'm a, you know, I work ultimately a business, we're a practice, he'll invest in our business. He'll help in terms of helping us to grow as men. So it's really an, an amazing environment that we're in as well. So our culture and how much we've grown as men, that's what helps that energy and how we've been able to grow in terms of our practice and onboarding clients. Because people feel that. It's an energy thing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So what have y'all kind of learned in the early development stages of this business? So it seems like y'all have, I don't know if y'all have had like any trials or tribulations like along the way, kind of some missteps or things like, man, I wish I would have known this before we got started. Or has it all gone, gone as smoothly as y'all thought it would go? Oh, uh, I would say it's been, it's been going great. It's been going great. Our, uh, our practice has been growing. We've been onboarding. We've been hiring, attracting. We don't, we don't recruit. We attract. Mm-hmm. You know, attract is more about alignment, you know, because the, the work that we do is different. The purposes that we're serving is different. Mind you, add to that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's actually been great because it also helps us, like I said earlier, becoming better people. So we used to, going back to music, you know, recording, making the beat, recording it, shooting the video, doing everything ourselves. And now it's like, no, nah, y'all, y'all don't got to do that. You know, we got people that can kind of help you do those things. And so by delegating certain things, it allows us to empower other people, but then also go out and do more for our clients. And so yeah. um, just having an extra set of hands and others that you can pour into. And then it also helps us, you know, with our communication and just making sure everybody's on the same page now when you're responsible for other people, when you're responsible for payroll, things of that nature, it, it just forces you to kind of to go harder. So it, yeah. it's cool. It's cool. It's been, it's been really dope just building out. And I wouldn't say it's been easy, but it's just been fun. It's been a nice, it's been a nice, you know, yeah. upward slope. Yeah. And, and, and it's new as well, right? Because you remember, that, so that's the, the thing about that we say about that's unique or just could be seen as a challenge for the African-American client as well as for the African-American advisor is that, one, the client doesn't have too many examples of they can say, wow, I'm happy my uncle, my mom, my dad, my whoever, my family did this retirement planning, did this estate planning, got this life insurance policy for it. We don't have that many stories of success. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then on our side, me and Lamont don't have too many African-American advisors. Definitely not. We And, and our offers are, are nowhere nearby that we can say, wow. That senior advisor has built this. Bank. I can go to him for this advice. We don't have that. Either. So that's why, you know, we, we understand that. That's why we say this work that we do is so much of a calling and we're in it. And now we're actually in a place where in that book, From Good to Great, it talks about how you're pushing up the hill. You're pushing, pushing. Nothing's happening, pushing. Nothing happened, pushing. Then at some point, you hit a, hit a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And then you build what's called your flywheel. That's when everything's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, so the thing is, most people never make it to their tipping point because they gave up when it was pushing, pushing, pushing. Nothing was happening. So we've been in it for 10 years now, and we're just now getting in a place now where it's, it's, it's really thri- been thriving for the past two, three years now. Since mm-hmm. we've you know, formed our partnership and we understand we, we, our strengths are, are just so uniquely aligned. So that's, that's really been it. But it's how much we've grown as people, as I, like I said earlier. Right. What kind of of advice would you give people who haven't reached the tipping point yet, who still kind of in that that waiting period are still trying to grind to get to that tipping point? I would say you just have to continue to persevere. I know it sounds cliche, but it's like Mm -hmm. you don't know when it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to like, oh, wow, (laughs) you're going to look up and it's there. So you kind of just got to stay grounded and also keep the right perspective. A lot of times people give up. 
because they're looking to the left and the right. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, Chris is up at his flywheel. How come I didn't hit mine yet? Or my peers in this group, they've hit theirs. How come I'm not here yet? So you have to kind of run your own race. So one of the things they tried to implement is yoga. They try to teach us yoga, just different things to kind of grow. And on yoga is stay on your own mat. So you can still have somebody in there that's 80, somebody in there that's 28, all trying to do the certain pose. Nobody's perfect, but you just do what you can do. So that's kind of how the folks, if you trying, if you haven't hit your flywheel yet, continue to do what you're doing because eventually that is going to trigger and then it's going to be like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this, but that's how God works. Yeah. So 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 Lamont hit it where I was going to go with it. And that is around perspective. Because whenever you're, you're pushing and it's not happening, you can't feel as though it's a wrap for you. You got more so. I remember because it's been that, that way for me. You know, when I was pushing, pushing, nothing was happening for me. You know, the thought, my, my perspective was, yeah, that's how, what's I'm going to do when I get mine. Because it was like that for me in high school. You see, my story was unique where I went to a prep school where I was the only black kid to graduate out of my high school class. I went there on an athletic uh, academic scholarship. I used to know how to hoop. I don't know what happened now. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, man, um, so... And I was, you know, I lived, you know, my pops died before I was born. My mom never graduated high school. I was, I'm definitely, I'm from that type background. You know what I'm saying? When I was going to this school. So all my white buddies, man, I just go to their houses and I was never like, oh man, upset. I was just like, wow. So this is the life that I'm going to live. So this is, I'll be here. It's okay. I'm going to just, it's all a part of my journey. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just, it's part of the story that I look forward to telling. So that whole perspective piece, that's what it's about. Just having that when you're going through it. You can't be so, here's the advice I give. Do this, here it is, here's the advice. Don't be focused on the result. You gotta fall in love and embrace the process and all that comes with it. Like, you gotta taste it, you gotta love it. Like when I was online. Right, that's what I was thinking over here. <laughs> bro, bro, so, so I'm gonna give you, I don't know if I'm supposed to even tell y'all this, I don't care, whatever. So my, yeah, I can tell you this. So I have a couple of line names. All my line names were six flags. Mm-hmm. Tied on my chest. So I was a six on my line. So before set, you know, everybody was like, oh, I'm about to quit. This is stupid. I mean, before, I mean, before we about to read, before we about to read, people be saying, oh, I don't want to read no more. I don't want to read no more. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> I've been listening to Jay-Z on, on pre-workout, like, oh, nah, we about to go read all night. Let's read. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so uh, they were like, well, you crazy. Like, we gotta go to, we gotta go to Six Flags. And so, why? I would, I said, you know what? We're doing it. Just fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. Just, mm, tastes so good. Embrace the process. Never, never missed a night of reading. <laughs> and you're very literate. Very literate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you stupid. Oh, man. Hey, this is silly. You know about Randy. Randy is actually hilarious, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all speaking in code. I can't. I'm staying out. Yeah, I got all right, it. All right. So, Lamont, you mentioned something earlier talking about having the mindset of the wealthy. If you had to kind of break that down, what is the mindset of the wealthy? Well, mindset of the wealthy is it's not breaking down to one thing, but basically, you know, they sacrifice and do things that the, the masses don't. So, for instance, one of the things we talk about as African-Americans and just, you know, middle class, we're concentrating on returns. But when I'm having a conversation with them, they're talking about taxes. Mm. Okay, We right. think of taxes as, as bad. They think that they just try to avoid it because taxes are good because you're making money. You just don't want to pay it all. So it's like, you know, that that. So it's just different conversations. They're like, how am I going to transfer this wealth to my son and my grandchildren? We're like fighting over, you know, a car. 
when Big Daddy really would like, you know, it's just different conversations that, that I was noticing, but they were coming to me for the advice. And that's when it was like, wait a minute, like, you know, y'all, you don't know this. You've been, your, your father's ran this company for how many years and you don't know that you're supposed to have this type of account or do X, Y, Z. And so, and, and they don't, you know, and then also I started noticing like there would be, you know, widows. They've never filled out, they've never written a check. Their husband did everything. And then when they pass, they're inheriting this money. They don't know what to do. So, you know, I let Chris tell them his, his thing about money, how people touch it and they feel like they know it. But the mindset of the wealthy, really, what I would say is just they are thinking about the things that we're not thinking about typically. So mm-hmm. in the book, The Psychology, money is called fees versus fines, right? Everything has a price, right? So the wealthy, they know, okay, what am I paying? Am I getting the value for it? All right. So that's the fee. And if you don't do and if you put something off, you don't go hard, it ends up being a fine. And you end up having to pay that anyway. So you're going to pay for it anyway. They just rather pay for it with sweat equity as opposed to like, because what, what? What do we do when we get a bill? We'll try to put it off. Like, you know, it'll go away somehow. And then you pay it late. And then what happens? A late fee, you know, or you put something on credit, you don't pay it off. And then those, you know, those interest rates add up and you're not paying double for the, the product that you bought. Whereas the wealthy, they're buying it and paying it off using those points. So it's just little tricks like that that we aren't taught. And that's what Chris and I try to teach. But it's one step at a time. Yeah. And I will add to that. That was good, Lamont, is because I had a conversation just earlier with a guy up in New York, business owner. So I'm doing with you right now, Randy. When Lamont talked about the different conversations and, and the mindset or what wealth really is, the wealth equation. You got a pen and paper right there? Yep. I want you right now. Wealth equals mm-hmm. money invested times time times rate of return. All right. Of those three variables, which do you feel is the most important, the highest priority when it comes to attaining wealth? What's the second? What's the third? What's the what, what one has the highest priority? What's one of the most important? I'm going to go with on the spot. On the spot. Okay. So I'm gonna go with time is number one. Okay. Invested is number two, and rate of return number three. You cheated. You actually got it right. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. So one of the first to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Today, I mean, it was a typical hit. Number one answer is rate of return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Got to get a big return, right? You said that's usually the number one answer. Next is money invested. Money invested, man. You got to put the money in there. And then boom, time. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And that's that's the typical, you know, I know that's just an equation, but yeah, it's just the mindset is, it's just skewed. It's just skewed around around money, man. And that's what we like to, we like to do. Make it simple. Make it fun. We don't like to call our... We don't like to call them meetings. We like to call them experiences, you know, client experiences. We don't really like to call them meetings. Meetings sound blunt. When you meet with us, you get to learn a lot. People like to learn, you know, especially knowledge that has been held away. Right, right. So the reason I kind of picked time is there's this quote that I have that's on my desk at work. It's by this guy called M. Scott. I think it's Deck. And the quote is, until you value yourself, you won't value your time. Until you right. value your time, you will not do anything with it. So that's one thing that I kind of keep on my desk to like stay in front of me. Like when I be on my phone too much, maybe being on social media, like I'm just wasting time away that can be, that's very valuable that I can be using it for something else. I like Because that's one thing you can't get back. See, the market can dip and you get returns back, but you can't get time back. So Mm -hmm. the reason why we we are typically behind is because we start later. We start later with our savings. Mm -hmm. They're starting, you know, as children putting away money, you know, mm-hmm. and what happens is over time, that's going to accumulate. It's a snowball effect. No. But if you don't I jump into so the game, the 40s and 50s, now you got to 
rely on that large rate of return to play catch up. And that's why we're always looking for the, the get rich quick scheme as opposed to the steady game. Mm-hmm. Right, right. right. It, it, it to add to that, that's just good. So earlier today, that's just even again, starting late. I said, you know what? The guy I was speaking with earlier, he was 41 years old. And when I was talking about time, I said, man, you know, you're actually three, four years ahead. He said, what? I said, yeah, man. See, typically, so I'd already told him that I, um, we're now in a place, Randy, where we typically right now are, when it comes to working with black men, we only work with black men who have current relationships with current clients of ours. Like mm-hmm. you, right? So I said, so typically with African-American men, when he calls my office, he usually says something like, yeah, man, I'm ready to go and get started. I know that he's like 44 or 45 years old. Why? He's looking like, man, I've been tricked. I've been just kicking it for the past 15, 20 years. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at 15 years from now as retirement. And I ain't been doing nothing. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I said, man, you're three, four years ahead. Like Lamar <laughs> said, we get started late. Mm-hmm. Even when we do get the knowledge, what do we do with it? Do we act on it? Or do we say we're going to do some research? What do you research? You already know what you're looking for. <laughs> so that's one thing I wanted to kind of ask you all about that, like research and knowledge. Like, how does an individual go, in, go about getting proper research and knowledge from certain sources? Like, do y'all have books y'all recommend, certain podcasts people should listen to, or certain people they should look at on YouTube videos? Because some people, they, they want to be educated and have a little knowledge before they go and talk to somebody like y'all too. Well, hold on. I was about to answer it until you said that last portion, that last part. You want to be educated before you go talk to us. Or have a little bit of knowledge. Like when people really? come to, when people come to see me, of course they've been Googling stuff. They don't know everything about what's going on with their condition. But some people may want to know something about like, let's just say I want to know about life insurance. They just want to know the bare bones, the structures. They're not trying to build the house and everything. They just want to understand what life insurance means for them. Like what would be like a good resource that they maybe can look at or read or something like that, or you recommend that they just don't come in with any kind of knowledge? So during our process, we recommend, you know, books, articles for folks to read. It's just finance can be very difficult. It's just like WebMD. You know what I mean? It's certain stuff you can look up online and they tell you a good remedy to fix your shoulder when when it's hurting. But if it's something serious, you need to sit down with a doctor. So a lot of it is a lot of consumer-based information. So the difference between myself and Chris and what you would find online is everything we go talk about is going to be customized on Randy Hines, mm-hmm. right? For Randy Hines' specific situation for your specific life. People come in our office and they say, well, Dave Ramsey said you should. And I'd be like, well, who is you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Who's you? He's talking to 50 million people. He can't be thinking can't be you. Everybody ain't the same. So come inside. It's not cookie cutter. You know what I mean? It's custom design. So come inside the office and in an hour, we're going to explain to you the different types of life insurance, why you don't understand or value life insurance, the reason why you don't value or understand life insurance, and the reason why now walking out of this office, you're going to be like, oh, now I see what the game is and I'm going to get into it. We're going to show you why every election they're talking about taxes. We're going to show you what why that taxes and how your money is, sit, where your money's sitting is important. So what we do is when we invite people to come in with an open mind, just come in. And then when we give you the information, just go out and read it. Read the, read the information that we give you because it's going to yeah. be from credible sources. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So the knowledge that we give, Randy, is actually supplemental reading. 
Mm-hmm. So we, after after a client experience, after meeting with us, you know, we'll it's almost like leaving in class. It's like, oh wow, yeah, read chapter X. We'll give you the content of the book of what we just gave you. Okay. Like for example, there's a book called The Power of Zero. Our process is a cliff notes version of that book. The Power of Zero, the author is David McKnight. He's a CPA, he spent time in the White House administration. You know, our our we the name of our, our talk is called Where Should Money Go and Why? Because we find that we know how to make money. That's cool, but we don't never know where to put it at. So it just leaves and it just sits in checking and savings. And we think we're only supposed to buy, buy real estate. Mm-hmm. Well, no. So we don't know. We don't like. So uh, that's another book called The Memo by uh, John Hope Bryant. And the book, The Memo, it talks about how we African Americans never got the memo on how to grow, sustain, and transfer wealth. So yeah, we we make the money, but it's just in checking and savings. Mm-hmm. When, when your money sits like that, it's just like it's sitting in creek water. Anything that sits still is not good. Okay, that's why the creek water attracts fungus. In the Bible, it says that the uh, uh, idle mind, the devil's playground. You want your money to be like rivers, lakes, and oceans. It's giving off movement, giving off life, giving off oxygen. We we, we just give yeah, that's it. We give language around that. Yeah, so Randy, two books, though, that's pretty good for the audience to pick up. And it's more so about mindset. Forget about strategies. It's about mindset, the psychology of money. That's a really good one. And then what would the Rockefellers do? Mm-hmm. All right. So those are going to talk about the mindsets of the wealthy and then just kind of how they think. It's almost like just that's almost better than trying to jump in and go for strategy. Okay. Yeah. And what, was Randy, what would the Rockefellers do? Okay. Oh, that's some good heat, Lamar. What you just said, that just aligns with uh, what my Money Talk Monday is going to be on. So, Randy, I think you follow my IG. um, On my Money Talk Mondays, I never talk about anything money-related. It's only about mindset, motivation, spirituality, and leadership. So, it's typically I'm just led by like a topic that just hit me, then I say, uh. So, I just type my topic. I'll speak on it tomorrow where I say, when the, when the teacher will show when the student is ready, it's about the mindset. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. If you're not ready to, you ain't ready for it, then you're not ready for the, for, the, for the experience. What kind of mindset do most individuals come to see y'all already have? When they come to see us, they know that they want to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Or they like, want to have a plan or are they looking to move from another advisor to work with us or they already, because we're more senior advisors, right? So it's not like we're not calling. So basically when I reach out to someone, is not will you reach are you do you want to meet is you know when can we meet let's connect you with need again on the calendar because most of our clients now come through introductions and referrals yeah well that's what and that's another reason why we stepped down and did the wealth management as opposed to just doing asset advisors so we could grow with our clients so yeah. we can start off with a client that's you know just out of residency right but in two to three years now she's growing and she's growing with us so you know, we, we have different levels to our clientele like that. And that's kind of how we, we grow with our clients. And so some, not everybody's a wealth management client. You know, some might just have a, a little a disability policy or term policy. But we're working with them or we're trying to get them to get money into the market and things of that nature. So, yeah, so that we just, you know, we kind of grow organically with our clients. And that's that's the cool thing about it. Yeah. Okay. Some of your patients just just need a little blood pressure check. Some I need a shot. Some I need a stress test. So you might do something invasive. What the case may be is different. Is different levels. Just like and, and that's that's how it is with with us. So like, so the foundation of your planning is the insurance. That's that's the foundation, right? Once you have your your protections taken or taken care of, 
then you want to take care of the accumulation stuff. That's the investments and things like that. So we just were able to work with our clients when they're only able to afford some insurance and but helping them along the way with their investments and they grow and we grow along with them. It's like right. a 20, 30 year relationship that we can take care of with our clients. Okay. So it's financial literacy month. So yeah. what is financial literacy and why is it so important for people to be knowledgeable about financial literacy? Financial literacy is important because it's just important. I mean, we know about anything. I think it's I think it's unfortunate of how, how the basic principles of finance are typically held away from certainly from African Americans, you know, and the fear mindset and the things that happened in our past that continue to plague us to this day. So I am happy that it's financial literacy awareness month. But just like how this month is this, and then next month May is mental health awareness month. It's still not enough awareness around it. And it's, it's just so important for folks to know how the dollars work in the short term, the midterm, and the long term. And the thing is, no one knows they hide like they do know, but they really, really don't. And then most time, people don't even want to make themselves vulnerable enough to even sit with an advisor. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough money. I need some. I'm like, do you go to a personal trainer to get muscles or do you go to a personal trainer where you already have muscles? You go to a trainer and get muscles. So just we meet, we meet clients where they are. Yeah. Anything else you add to that why financial literacy is important? Financial literacy is important because um, a lot of the times the mistakes we make are because of lack of knowledge. All right. So I'll give you prime examples. In our community, we like cash. You know, we'll sit down with business owners, a barbershop owner. Barbershop owner could be making 100, 150 for the year, but he'll only be claiming like seven. That's cool and all. You're not paying taxes, but what happens when you want to buy a house? Or what happens when you want to buy the shop? Well, when you go to that bank or that, that lender, they're going to say, you don't, you can't afford this. You're only making 70 grand a year. How can you make, you know, how can you afford this building? And so you miss out, you know, so little things like that. Now, same example, that barbershop owner, he's not claiming taxes. Well, when COVID-19 happened, what happened? He's not able to apply for PPP. He's not able to get those government grants that are out there, right? So a lot of times we miss out by just not reading, all right? Why do we do certain things? Well, you got to do some research, all right? We have to research what's the type of insurance for us. We got to research our tax code. We got to do different things like that. And so financial literacy is important because what you don't know can cost you. You have business owner clients that they're too busy. They don't hit deadlines. Well, if you don't set up your deadline by end of October, you can't set up your retirement account and you can't put money into that to bring down your taxes. So it's little things like that, that your financial advisor, just like your accountant, is going to keep you abreast of, all right, because you're out making money. You're not sitting here thinking about, oh, what's my deadline for this? You know, what's the, what's the IRS tax code for this year? You're not thinking about that. Yeah. So we're here to, in, to, to enlighten you and then give you supplemental stuff to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like you said earlier, you said the house, I like the watch. You don't need to know how the watch is made. You just need to know the time. So basically somebody come to you, Randy, you need to tell you, I got this, this, and this. And then they ask you, look, I don't worry. That's Chris and Lamont, they handle that. But I know I got this, this in place, my family is straight. That's what you need to be able to kind of articulate to, you know, somebody when they come up to you. Yeah, I'm going to speak to some of the things that happened just due to just lack of lack of knowledge, right? A few things I've just, I've dropped down some notes here. All right, cool. So let's talk about things that happen in the private sector, meaning I work for a corporation. All right, well, hey, work for a corporation and you look to retire at age 65. Uh, you know, you get the, you got the company benefits, X, Y, and Z, right? Well, when you retire at 65, you lose your benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're no longer with the company. Well, you now no longer have life insurance. And you didn't sit with a financial advisor in your early years to get 
life insurance or if you didn't it, it, it probably lapsed or whatever so now you don't have life insurance you want to get it but you're 60 something years old and don't tell what health conditions you have now the premium six seven hundred dollars a month i don't want to do that dialed out the life insurance mm-hmm. that's what else happens in the private sector? Disability, not having that gap on the disability when you, you, you hit your head, can't go to work, that, 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 that tends to happen. Only having, also only relying on the 401k. So that, that really happens a lot. And it talks about a lot in, in the book, The Power of Zero. Those working in a corporation, they rely heavily on the 401k. Well, that's cool and all, but when you work a part of that 401k, that account has been growing tax deferred. Right. So when you get when you when you're in retirement, guess who is your business partner? Uncle Sam. And he can, he can raise that he can raise taxes at any point you have no control of. So what we like to educate our clients on is being able to we call it uh disinherit everyone's least favorite uncle, Uncle Sam. So we what we specialize in is tax mitigation and asset protection. So we're helping folks understand that. Um, those who work in the private sector, okay? Next is our business owners. Everyone's first-generational business owners. We're making money. I mean, we have clients, Randy, who are making money doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, got clients making money that you'll be like, hey, I'm a doctor, really? Because I definitely have clients. I'm like, I really have. I did all this for what again? But I love what I do. But folks making money doing all kinds of stuff is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right? But at the same time, Going back to the to the memo, no one taught anyone how to grow, how to grow a business or pass it down. So they're making money, of course, they're just sitting in the checking savings. Uh, they don't know to have uh, key band insurance on their their, their right hand man, or when they have a son or a daughter, they want to pass the business down. You don't want to just say, "Hey, son, it's yours." No, it's called succession planning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or what if you have a business partner? Business partner, he passes away. He had a wife. Did you do anything you planning for the wife? No. What if she wants to be a part of the business? Did you guys address that? Did you speak to it? Mm-hmm. Hey, we never got those conversations. Or, man, my business partners, this this, this staff person's here, but I want to make sure they don't still, you know, take everything I taught them and go down the street with it. How can I hold them here? Go to handcuffs. Hmm, what's that? Let me talk to you about it. Oh, go to handcuff strategies. What else happens with business owners? They are mandatory. So with us, with disability income insurance, okay, you hit your head, right? If if a, if a client's like, oh, I don't think I need that, we actually don't want to work with you if you don't want, if you don't want disability. Okay, see, our money isn't for growing. Our money, some dollars need to be protecting. So all our dollars should have job descriptions. When a dollar's sitting just a wallet doing nothing, we call that um, Tommy wallets. So death, to, you know, Tommy didn't have no job on Martin. <laughs> yeah. So death, death to Tommy Martin, Tommy wallets. All our dollars need to have job descriptions. They're like our little employees. So disability income insurance, hey, no, you need to protect us for anything that wants to happen. And then also, and then lastly, with the business owner, definitely see this all the time, you know, they don't know anything about what having a SEP IRA or solo 401k or what a simple IRA is. They just don't even make the money. Now, see, we work for a corporation. It's what I've done for you. When you put money into the 401k, it's bringing down your taxable income. So it's doing the accounting, the taxing piece for you for tax reporting. When you're a business owner, you're just making money, bro. And you got an accountant, you hope you write it off. That As you make money, you don't want to just write stuff off. You want to have a real retirement account and bring your money down the right way on paper. Right. Y'all both kind of touched on this a little bit. How important is it to ha- make sure your taxes are straight? That's the most important. 
Uncle Sam is the biggest gangster out of all of us. And so, hey, I, yeah. You, that's just, that's the most important out of everything. You want to make sure that you are with a CPA, not somebody that just do taxes, mm-hmm. depending on your, your level. And But you definitely got to be right on paper. Right. Why is it the most important? Because that's, you can go to jail. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, yeah. He can garnish your wages. He can do whatever you want, you know? And so, and you got to pay it. What's the two guarantees they say? Death and taxes, right? Right, right. So, I mean, from a wealth standpoint, I know a lot of individuals who are very wealthy know how to move money around. We hear about these companies or these rich individuals who may pay no taxes in a Mm -hmm. year. And the struggling individuals are getting a huge chunk of their paycheck taken out. So... How do people educate themselves or what do they need to do to make sure their taxes are straight so they can have the least tax burden? Do they need to save more in certain accounts? Do they need to invest more? Kind of what kind of advice could y'all give? Sit down with an advisor. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's situation is different. Yep. Everyone's situation sure your is different. advisor and your accountant are speaking. They don't, yep. They're not supposed you to say to adversaries. They're supposed to be speaking yep. to each other. So yep. the accountant's supposed to say, hey, Randy's business is set up like this. Therefore, this, you know, this is the best type of account that he can maximize his tax. You know, basically they'll tell us how you're structured and we'll say, okay, based upon that, hey, Randy, you need to have this type of account because you can put X amount away as opposed to only putting, be able to put away Y. Mm-hmm. So that's why the accountant is important. Yeah. Yeah, like Lamar said, so you want to have a, an advisory team, your CPA, right? A state planning attorney, financial advisor. And as you get older, your doctor. Oh, position, you know, for medical medical directors and things like that. So it's just about having a team, having folks around, especially if you're if you're doing it the right way. Right. So the only thing we're supposed to be doing here on this on this earth right now is accumulating, meaning making money, and growing it, and then once we accumulate, you transfer. So wealth is about growth, sustainability, transfer, growth, sustainability, transfer. That's it for part one of the interview. I hope you picked up on some of the great financial information Christopher and Lamon offered. Look out for part two dropping real soon. Just to go back and touch on gas, belching, and bloating, remember that it could be related to what you're eating. Those items could include soda, caffeinated drinks, and beans. I love me a good bean burrito from Taco Bell. Side note, you still eating Taco Bell? Every now and then, bean burrito with no onions. Don't judge me for going to Taco Bell, but every now and then, still go there. But those items, sodas, caffeinated drinks, and beans can lead to you feeling bloated and letting out excess gas. Also remember the onset of symptoms helps to determine the location that is causing the symptoms. Does it happen right after you eat or does it take over 30 minutes? This is very important when we as physicians are trying to figure out the cause of your symptoms. I wouldn't want to give you medication for your stomach and the real issue is your intestines. Wrong med for the wrong place. Got it? Good. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed it. Even if you haven't enjoyed it, just still rate five stars out of five. Like and subscribe anyway. Pass this podcast on to others just like you pass gas. Let everyone feel it. The podcast, not your gas. Let let everyone feel the podcast. (laughs) 
I'll see y'all again for another episode real soon. Episode two of this one, we'll talk more about financial literacy and also more about gas, belching, and bloating. And as always, stay healthy physically and mentally.